This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 and the band is back together. It's Claudine here and we have Mark and Rachel all in the same room at the same time. It's a miracle. That's exciting. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a long while. A, A long, long while since we've all been together as the band, so to speak. But it's good to be back as a group. Rock and roll! <laughs> We've got an action-packed night tonight. We have a holiday, two news items, and then I'm going to be talking about not what I did in the last um, few weeks, but what I did about six months ago. So um, a very belated uh, holiday report. Well, not quite a holiday, but um, some of you who have been around may remember that I disappeared to Bangladesh for a week or so in November, and I'll talk about what I was doing there with, um, in terms of LGBTI education for young Christian women in Asia. Very exciting. We can't ha- wait to hear about that. Um, a big thank you to Michelle and Clayton and Beck and their special guests tonight, Cheryl, Cheryl um, for Stand Up Straight. What a great conversation that was. Um, and it's always a pleasure hearing them. So, Mark, over to you for the holiday of the week. Oh, we, oh you're going to sing. I don't have the theme song. All right. Holy day of the week. Or should I do, are you ready for a miracle? Ready as I can be. All right, go. Amen. That was much better than either Claudine or I singing, so that's a, that's a good start tonight. So our holy day of the week is Asaha Pugja, or also known as Asana Pukha in Thailand, which is a Buddhist festival, which takes place in July. Um, Buddhism, of course, is based on a lunar calendar, so the festival moves around our secular calendar a little bit. So it's coming up on the 19th, which is soon. I can't think Tuesday. What. Thank you. Had a moment of blankness there. Anyhow, moving on. So it's on Tuesday of next week. So it's also known as Dharma Day, and it's one of the most important festivals, and it celebrates Buddha's first sam- sermon in which he set out his first uh, to his um, former associates the doctrine that came to him following his enlightenment. So it's the first pivotal sermon. It's his first big speech, if you like. Um, and it is often referred to as setting into motion the wheel of Dharma. So it's the teaching which encapsulates for Buddhists the four noble truths, which are there is suffering, which I'm going to mispronounce, but I think it's Dukkha. Suffering is caused by craving, Tanha. There is a state, Nibbana, beyond suffering and craving. And finally, the way to Nirvana is through the eightfold path. So all the various traditions of Buddhism all uh, sort of um, revolve around this central 
doctrine of the four noble truths. The first sermon is not, a, is, the, is not only the first structural discourse given by the Buddha after his enlightenment, but also contains the essence of all his subsequent teaching. So at the end of the teaching, one of the five participants, one of the five um, people who were there, uh, recounted his understanding of what had been said and asked to be received as a disciple and the request that Buddha granted and they established the first order of monks. So it's also um, the start of the period when Buddhist monks can be ordained. Um, so it, the day is observed by donating offerings to temples and listening to sermons um, so it's a bit of a it's a really important day in the Buddhist calendar. It also is the day before the three months of rain. I think it's rain um, starts, um, which is basically it's called the Buddhist Lent. So it's three months of observing. Um, it's three months. It's kind of like a Lent. There's certain things that you observe. There's certain things you don't do, um, and it happens during the rain season in, um, I would imagine, in 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 Central Asia. So, um, big day coming up next Tuesday for Buddhist people. And uh, so that was our holiday of the week. And we have two news items this week in the in terms of um, religion and um, LGBTI issues. The first is that on Tuesday, our time, the Anglican Church of Canada voted um, to legalise marriage equality for the whole church. Brilliant. Um, this actually surprised me when I read a bit about it because I knew that Anglicans in, in um, some parts of Canada have been doing this for a long time. Um, in 2002, the Diocese of New Westminster, which is basically Vancouver, caused some controversy by starting to perform same-sex blessings. And in 2005, Canada, as a government, became the first government outside of Europe to legalise marriage equality. So it's taken about 14 years for the rest of the Anglican Church of Canada to catch up with that. And it's also um, topical for uh, for some of us um, because the the general synod is like the House of Parliament for the church, and it's composed of um, clergy, bishops, and lay people, and they have a, you know, a certain quota. I think it was two thirds majority required in all three houses of bishops, priests, and people to 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 pass this legislation. And at first, the news was that they had lost by one vote, and then. Um, a whole lot of people came back and said our votes were, were not classified correctly. So um, some of us, like Rachel and myself, who've been doing various election-related things, um, <laughs> this is a warning to us. This is it just shows how um, important it is to get your voting right. And I think I think the church actually used electronic voting, which is um, something that the Australian government has been talking about as well. So there's a warning sign. I got told it's not going to happen in our lifetime. Oh, well, if it's in your lifetime, that's that's yes. a long way away. But, yeah, it just shows, I mean, computers, um, we all know how tricky computers can be, and um, that's that's um, that's a warning sign. But uh, um, it just shows, I guess, how close the vote was and how uh, there is still a lot of disagreement and tension in the Anglican Church in Canada, but um, congratulations for to them for getting this through and hopefully that... Um, you know, there can be a period of um, reconciliation and peacemaking within the different different parties. It's a like it's a fairly 
big stage to go through the three different houses and then to get a two-thirds majority in each of the houses. Like, it's a very significant mm. majority that they've actually managed to achieve. Like, it's a big step forward, even though, as you say, um, it, it does cause has the potential to cause a bit of a, a rift inside the church because obviously it's fairly close to the line, but you would imagine that there's, you know, up to one third in each of those houses that don't agree with this decision. So it's a big it's a big move. But it's also interesting that this is the Anglican Church of Canada and their sister church, if you like, is the thank you, the Episcopal Church in the US, which has been doing same sex marriage, I understand, for about a decade is it that long yeah i mean canada it, some parts of canada got there first vancouver got there first but um yeah the u.s is the u.s has been um ostracized by the rest of the anglican communion for for doing this so um maybe canada is about to go down the same road of being um of the more conservative parts of the church um not having not not approving of the u.s and canada now Wow. It, it's it, the Anglican Communion of is quite an interesting church in of itself. If you you look at the local example here, where we've got what would you could call um, a low church diocese for Melbourne is fairly low church. Whereas if you just go up to Ballarat, it's very high church. So it's um, for want of a better term, I understand as it, it's bells and smells is the is the term used. But it, it's so it's a very traditional Anglican church in the Ballarat diocese. Whereas Melbourne is a quite a, a um, an interesting modern diocese. I know the it's first. It's more mixed. It's 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 complicated. I love saying that it's complicated. Absolutely, it is complicated, but it just shows that things move slowly and and move forward. You know, we certainly know that the uh, Sydney Anglican Diocese is very anti-gay marriage or anti-marriage equality. So it'll be interesting to see how the Anglican Church in Australia moves forward in terms of of what happens from from this decision in Canada. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And we, that was Tegan and Sarah back in your head. So we're talking, we're doing a little bit of a mixed show. We're going to ha- hear from uh, Claudine in a little bit about her trip to Bangladesh a little while ago, but not too long ago. So it's good to get these things eventually. Um, but if you have any questions or you want to join in the conversation, don't forget to, you can SMS us on uh, 0427 Joy 949 or you can email us on air at joy.org.au, or you can send us a message via the Joy app, or you can actually ring us on 1300 Joy 949, and we have someone here who will take your calls and pass the message through to us here in the studio. Before we go and talk about Bangladesh, we're going to talk about one other news story that's been happening in the news this week, and it, it's uh, um, it's in relation to the Western Wall in in Jerusalem, in Israel. So the Western Wall, for people who don't know, is considered to be the most holiest site for Judaism. Judaism doesn't really do holy sites, so it's probably the only holy site if you really like. Some of the patriarchs' tombs are considered a little bit holy, but it's really the the site for Judaism. It's the site because it's the um, wall of the last of the second temple, the last standing temple in Jerusalem. Um, so it's it's a it's a significant part for, place for the Jews uh, in orth- in the Orthodox Jewish world. Men and women don't pray together. They're separated physically uh, and usually by a curtain or a screen. Um, however, the Israeli government had committed to creating an egalitarian prayer space. So a prayer space where both men and women can pray together, which is the tradition practiced by both um, the reform of aggressive movement to which I belong and also the conservative or the Masorti movement to which a vast number of people belong to. So they're the two biggest movements by far in the U.S., 
of A. So and then quite a, quite a lot of Jews are either conservative or reform, probably the vast majority. Um, however, so there was there's been lots of um, protests and lots of incidents at the Western Wall about women reading from the Torah, which is banned by the Orthodoxy. Um, there's been arrests, Torah scrolls have been removed. It's been it's very very controversial. The Israeli government said we'll create a new space at the Western Wall and it will allow for egalitarian prayer, it will allow for women to read from Torah, uh, sort of a move forward. Sadly, the uh, Israeli Prime Minister has vetoed that decision. Um, So on Sunday, the two leaders of the uh, reform movement and the conservative movement wrote to the Prime Minister of Israel saying, you need to do this. Um, and if you don't, we'll take you through the Israeli Supreme Court um, to fight it through. Um, taking things to the Israeli Supreme Court seems to be the way you do business in Israel. Lots of things go to the Supreme Court. It doesn't necessarily mean the government will do it, though. It's it's really quite sad because, you know, our community is, is really about being egalitarian. Um, a vast number of Jews are egalitarian in terms of their worship. It seems kind of a foregone conclusion that surely we can get this up and happening it's not like it's a small space. The Western Wall is quite a large piece of real estate. Um, however, it's it's a sad move. It's a, it's a bit of a sad news story that um, it's got the two leaders of the two biggest Jewish denominations, if you like, riding together to say you need to do something about this. So, but is that going to make a difference? I mean, is that going to be significant um, that they've come together to make the statement? The argument, well, the argument is that um, a lot of money. F- flows from uh, Jews in the United States into Israel to do all sorts of projects in all sorts of different ways. And so the argument is that when you've got the two leaders of, the t- of and there is not a lot of Orthodox Jews in America, despite what you might think, really small numbers compared to the reform and conservative movements, that if Israel st- doesn't acknowledge the way that most Jews practice will the money stop flowing and therefore is there going to have a negative pack on on, on Israel and the, and the white area because just not Israelis benefit from that money flowing into the region. So it's a big statement. To get the two movements together to make a statement is a fairly, um, that's a big, in and of itself, it's basically like getting the equivalent of the Pope and the Bishop of um, Canterbury to sign a joint statement together. It's, it's a fairly big, significant statement in terms of the Jewish world. We'll see what happens. It's, it, yeah, it's, it, I think it's a sad news story in many ways, but hopefully, like same-sex marriage in Australia, things might get there eventually. Hopefully they'll take too long, but we'll live in hope. So that's our second news story of the night. Now we're going to talk to Claudine, who went to Bangladesh. What, it, took, what took you to Bangladesh, in, other in than an aeroplane? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, I, I remember the exact day it was because it was my 40th birthday. And um, I went to the airport and said, it's my 40th birthday. And they didn't give me an upgrade. So that didn't work. That's what everyone told me to, to try, but it didn't work. Um, so I... It's because you don't look 40. Oh, oh damn. Got to do about something about that. Um, anyway, back <laughs> away from the mundane things. So um, I went as part of a program run by the World Student Christian Federation in the Asia Pacific, and um, the WSCF is what it sounds like. It's a it's um, an a international organization of student Christian groups, and it's um, 
an interesting organization because in countries like Australia and New Zealand and the US and Canada and most of Europe, um, student Christian movements that are part of the WCF um, are often the um, attract the more uh, liberal or progressive side of of Christianity. So um, if you go to a university in a, in Australia, you're likely to encounter groups like um, Christian Union, which is large and conservative, and SCMs are kind of small and progressive, so the opposite. So you don't have to be a theology student? No, though, no, just... no. It's for anyone studying. It, there are people who are at um, you know, schools as well as, as universities. Oh, okay. So it's not for theological students. It's for students who are interested in Christianity. There's quite a few... Um, Agnostic or atheist members as well, so there's no kind of um, faith tests. Uh, it's a very liberal group. Um, but in other parts of the world, like um, much of Asia and and the Middle East, the student Christian movements um, are a bit more conservative and perhaps reflecting the uh, general Christian population in the in those countries. And the um, so like churches. Everywhere, the WSCF has been trying trying to learn to talk about LGBTI issues in a way that um, can bring these different groups together. And so there was um, there was a decision to um, get a group you know, to as as a kind of education, or I don't know. In the old days, you might have said consciousness raising. For um for young women in the Asia Pacific region, mostly Asian, and um I'm not quite sure why, but the they decided to hold this in Bangladesh, which um as a as an anxious flyer um this was actually happening you know, late if you remember late last year it was after there'd been a number of attacks on um, on foreigners in Bangladesh, including um, Christian missionaries. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even sure <gasps> if, I'd, if I'd go, but I decided that um, it probably was safe enough. I, I probably wouldn't have made that same decision six months later. But um, So it was good, that good timing that I was able to go. And I, I went um, as a, what they call a resource person, as somebody who's, um, because the student Christian movement in, in Australia has been having these discussions about uh, faith and sexuality for a bit longer. Um, I was somebody who could, I guess, bring that um, that learning and that part of the conversation for um, for this group of women who were mostly from, um, there were lots of from Bangladesh because it was easier for them to get there, other places like um, Nepal and, and India, um, and Myanmar, and also somebody from New Zealand. So it was really quite a um, bit of a diverse group in the sense that there was you know, me and the New Zealander and somebody from Taiwan who were very um, kind of already, you know, okay with with queer people, okay with queer people in the church. And then on the other side, um, people who had not even thought about these issues so it was actually um, a program. The program was about looking at violence against women and looking at oppression of LGBTI people. So it was kind of a huge, um, huge set of issues. 
You are on the Spirit Lounge with Claudine, Mark and Rachel this evening and we are talking to Claudine about her trip to Bangladesh and that song that we just played was called Proud by Jason Owen and Christine Arnu, getting us in a bit of a, a nice cosy feeling. I felt like that was a nice cosy song. So Claudine, what happened as part of the program on your trip? You were just introducing us to the program. Yep, so it was, it covered, um, the main topics were violence against women and oppression of LGBTI people. And so it started off talking about violence against women, which I think made it easier to um, gradually ease into the program. So this was a group of um, all women and they, the first couple of days we talked about um, this sort of experience of women in our different countries and our own experiences of things like harassment and discrimination and um, I mean I think uh, people were people from the Asian countries were kind of shocked that that these things existed in Australia and New Zealand as well they had this uh, I guess idea that we were supposedly more advanced um, and I, I pointed out that in among all the countries represented there um, Australia was the was the last to have its have a female head of government. So um, yeah, women, women's rights is still pretty spotty all over the, all over the world. I know that there um, is cultural differences in terms of violence against women. I know that from my parents living in a Pacific island where it's um, classified as normal to be violent mm-hmm. towards women. Uh, so yeah, I can imagine was it a touchy subject did people were people offended or no i think i think because um they'd they'd experienced things or they knew people who experienced things i mean even in in australia i think most people most uh, i feel a, a lot of people will know people who've who've experienced um violence or abuse so it's it's actually something that they could recognize um as part of the culture well, we even like we saw it this week on the ABC's Q and A oh, with, yeah. you know, Van Batten being called hysterical by Steve Price for trying to talk about mm. violence, violence against yeah. women, like exactly. talking about this, and and yet we people perceive us as such an enlightened nation when we are really hit and miss. It's it's quite it's quite sad. It is really yeah, quite I mean, sad. People are still being women are still being killed, you know, almost every day in Australia and. That's that's pretty horrendous, and it's it's um it's certainly not a sign of an advanced society. So um the the interest the interesting thing about talking about that was I then um the following day said well we've we've co- we've come up with kind of questions and frameworks for thinking about violence against women, and we can all agree that it's it's a bad thing, and that and we've we've got questions that we can ask ourselves and people around us about. Um, identifying you know, system, systemic discrimination and structures of inequality. And then I said, so now what do we try and um, think about um, gender and sexual diversity in those terms? And um, that was a bit, um, I think it was a bit of a, a shock. Like people knew that they, that they were coming to this program to talk about, um, that it was part of the program to talk about about um, no, gender and sexual diversity, but perhaps not in the sense they're that expecting it to be glazed over, or or maybe that that they weren't going to be expected to 
sympathize. Uh-huh. And so I think um, there are probably a lot of people who never met a gay person before. So um, often with these international that conferences. That they knew of. Yeah. So often with these international conferences, I go, I try it because I'm, I'm, I love travel and I hate flying and covering distances. So I try and go one or two days before the program starts so I can kind of get acclimatized and settle in. So there were a few people who'd also come the previous day. So, you know, we got picked up at the airport together and we're all staying in in the same conference center. So after a couple of days, we're just sort of talking together and having lunch together. And I said, and then I kind of had this introductory lecture on like really um, kind of LGBT 101 and um, trying to learn about people's assumptions about um well to just to begin with you know gay people homosexuality let alone the rest of the um alphabet soup and then saying well um um we we have this exercise that i get in i see in a lot of different kind of activists and political circles like you to find out where people stand on a spectrum you get them to um say i agree or disagree with this statement and you get them to sort of you know get their blood circulating a bit, to stand in a room on, on different parts of the spectrum to see where everyone stands. And I said, you know, so, so who, you know, who's met a gay person? Well, now everybody's met a gay person. And I think that that may have been a bit of a bit of um, an eye-opener for some people that this person that they'd like eaten at the same table with was actually one of those, those homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Um. How was the language barrier in terms of speaking about these in-depth topics? Yeah, that's um, it's tricky. I guess English was was is always is often the um, the common language, mm-hmm. and so there's well, there's just really me and um, the girl from New Zealand who speak English as a as a first language, and you know I'd also studied you know, feminist history and theology, you know at an Australian university, so I was. I came there with all these sort of highfalutin concepts and big words, um, and everybody spoke English to um, varying levels of of comfort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that sort of um, that was a that I guess meant that we didn't rush through topics, and also because um, these were for, for a lot of them, these were completely new ideas. So it was. It really felt like it was back to basics. And I found that interesting because this is you know, something I've been thinking about for 20 years to to actually go back to thinking about how to talk about um, these issues at a really kind of simple, fundamental level. Um, and I think that's that's um, potentially a, a useful way to think about how you approach these debates in... In other contexts, for example, um, if you know, if we do return to the marriage equality debate in Australia, maybe the maybe it is a case of going back to basics for for some for some people who are who are who who have different ideas to us. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy ninety four point nine, and that was "As Sweet as You Are" by Monique Brumby. And tonight we're talking about well, we're talking to Claudine, or Claudine's talking to us about her little trip to Bangladesh a little while ago, um, which was to were you a presenter? Is that what your role was? You said you were sort of a, or are you a knowledge expert? 
Oh, subject matter expert, maybe. Yeah, a a, a, a SME. <laughs> a SME. Yeah, so yeah. you were a SME at a conference of women uh, women students who are all Christians? Yeah. That's oh, right. um, not all students. Like you, you join the student Christian movement and you never leave. Like I've been a member for 20 years and have been studying some of that time and not all others. Okay. So <laughs> Uni-type people, people Uni-type who hang people. around universities. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and as we've heard earlier on, mostly from um, – the subcontinent, Asia, Asia yeah. that sort of thing. So uh, a, a bit of a new experience for some of them to even think about LGBTI issues. Or to hear the hear things like LGBTI. Um, I think, you know, gay might have been, they might have been familiar with that word, but anything else might was a bit new. Oh, so so a real, for some of them it was a really new experience. So if you've got any questions for Claudine, you can text us on 0427JOY949 or you can email us on air at joy.org.au or you can contact us via the app um, by doing the little contacts thing. And I just pointed to it in the studio, which is really great for everybody listening because <laughs> you can't see me pointing, but it is up in the corner. Um, or you can give us a call on 1300JOY949. In terms of, you've talked a little bit, uh, Claudine, about at the start, for some of these women, it was quite, a, it's, it's almost quite confronting and, and even getting their head around the, the acronyms and the terminology that we use. Did you see much of a shift in, over the, few, the days that you were there in terms of the conference? I think so, because we didn't, you know, there's always an evaluation survey at the end and people were saying things like, I'm now starting to understand or, or I don't know, my... I'm learning. I've learned about things that I hadn't thought about before. So, it was. I. I mean, I didn't go expecting to. You know, I guess convert people, but just to um, <laughs> enable people to meet a real life, real life lesbian, and to um, try and start thinking about these issues with without getting all. Um, kind of angry or about it or, or making assumptions or talking about gay people without having gay people in the room. So I guess hearing from real experiences. And we also, I mean, the other main thing we did was try and think about it theologically and think about, um, you know, there's there's what we call a clobber verses in the Bible and both the, the Hebrew and Christian testaments, the, the same few verses that are always brought out to... Um, condemn homosexuality and so we had a an, a, a theologian who was really trying to put that in the kind of historical context in which they were written and um, I discovered that people from Nepal or um, India were saying they that their the Bibles they use had been translated from English translations of the Hebrew and Greek so that's two levels of translation and two opportunities to to mix things up to, to for things to get lost so it's hard enough when um when in you know in australia we're reading a bible that's been translated from from greek um and enough is lost in that in that one step so to do it again um because you know there aren't people who can translate from biblical greek to nepali so that's um they have to sort of have that intermediate step which just makes it harder to um, get back into the original context. Because as we've talked about on the Spirit Lounge before, you know, even in English there are multiple translations of the Bible and they do vary somewhat. And it's to do with translating from 
ancient Greek, but also translating from biblical mm-hmm. Hebrew, which doesn't have vowels. So mm-hmm. um, there's lots of issues around that. So you, as you say, there's that that new level of, well, they're translating from an English Bible, which may have some mistranslations in it anyhow. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to, to construct words that, that may not even exist in Nepalese or mm-hmm. uh, uh, other languages that have been translated to. In terms of the women... What were they leaders of their church communities, or are they just people who had time off and who could make it? Like, what, like who, yeah, who, who is this group of people? Yeah, they're they're um they're people who've been recommended by the student Christian movement in their country. So, um, I guess um you no, know, up and coming young leaders, uh, especially anyone you know who's going to university is is in a certain sense a bit of an elite because um, even in you know in Australia. Getting to get to university puts you in a sort of, you know, in a in a class slightly above other people. I mean, that's that's, oh. that's just. I mean, not that you're necessarily better, but it's you, you're more privileged. So there's a there's I guess certain different expectations, um, and some of them were you know studying theology. Some um, some might have been thinking about um, becoming ministers if that was something that's that was available to them in their country. Um, so. And and some were just um, interested in in the, the issues, and you know they varied from in age from like nineteen to thirty. It's very you know, demographically very diverse. So, what was the um, feeling towards the end of the conference? It was a conference, wasn't it? I call it a workshop. I mean, it was a workshop. Like, you know, a dozen to fifteen people. Do so you think? Huge. Do you think that it opened people's eyes and minds? To the LGBTI community, or I think so. And another thing we did was we um, visited um, a LGBT rights organisation in Dhaka in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. So for one thing, that was um, showing to to these people, to people in Bangladesh, that that yeah. this is an issue for their own country. It's not just some something imported from from the West. So because I was, I guess seen as you know a westerner um for them to to see that these were issues that were being faced in their own country or in their own context um i think was was important to see that um i i mean i learned a lot as well like i was saying learning how to to um talk about these issues in a different culture um where where they're less familiar with it is homosexuality legal in bangladesh do you uh, know i think it's in um bangladesh like other parts of the subcontinent inherited the um, the the British Empire's laws, and so even when the UK you know, overturned those laws criminalising homosexuality, the um, places like Bangladesh and India have kept them on the books, though they haven't. Um, at least as of last year, nobody had been convicted, but they were still on the books. Mm. Did you leave the conference with? Um, like a to-do list for the women who were there to do to I don't know I like learn more challenge yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, I apart from sort of talking about the concept concepts just saying um, this is the start of how you can learn about these issues and to go go home and try and find out if, if there are similar organizations in their own countries and just like 
Um, Did you tell them me. that they can listen to the Spirit Lounge podcast at joy.org.au? Or via that iTunes, would, Yeah, too. or via yeah, iTunes. It's actually a really great way for uh, the women in Bangladesh to be able to learn more about spirituality in the LGBTIQAP plus community. Com- I think, Did I miss another one? I think internet speed varies across, across the world, so... <laughs> I'm not sure how accessible that is for for some, um, but yeah, I, I I mean I did say you know I talk about the stuff on the radio. Um. Maybe a suggestion for the next time that you're invited to present at a workshop. Um, we actually burn some CDs of this Spirit Lounge podcast, and you can hand them out. And then maybe if it, if you become like a big hit, then we can get a translator. Look at this. We're, we, we're we are, on it. We're, we're our, our, um, it, it actually is a world domination program. Opening the world's eyes one country at a time. Spirit Lounge, the album. Spirit Lounge, the album. The world tour. The well, world there is, there is uh, personalised singing on Spirit Lounge, the album, thanks to me. <laughs> <laughs> we got to think big here. <laughs> You're on the Spirit Lounge, where I've been talking about... My trip to Bangladesh talking about uh, LGBTI education in November last year, and we were just saying, well, it's, it's, it still was less than a, a year ago, and it's something that I thought about as we've um, come back this year hearing more news about um, the, the place of LGBT people in Bangladesh. So it's, it's definitely still, still timely, and the issues that, um, we were talking about they they're not just limited to one country there's um it's it's still a struggle to talk about lgbt issues and and what religion particularly certain kinds of christianity have brought to that thanks for listening to a joycast from joy 94.9 thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by australia's lgbtqia plus community media organisation joy Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.